Welcome to the Locked On Steelers podcast. I am Tony Serino alongside Christopher Carter, and this is your daily dose of all things Steelers. Today on the show, Chris and I are talking about the Dante Moncrief release, the crazy situation in Cleveland with Jermaine Whitehead and all the tweets he sent out after the game. We're also going to talk about the injury situation in Pittsburgh. Once again, just starting to mount at the running back position, even though it feels like every running back for the Steelers is already hurt, you can add a few more to the list this week. And then we'll finish up today by talking about where the Steelers sit in the AFC now after the Ravens beat the Patriots, but then also look at where they sit with the sixth seed uh, in the AFC. Welcome to the show. You can find more of this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, the new Himalaya app, wherever you find podcasts, search Locked on Steelers, hit that subscribe button. Make sure to get your daily dose. You can follow us on Twitter at LO Steelers. You can find us on Facebook, search Locked on Steelers, hit like on the Facebook page, but make sure you also join the Facebook group. You can also find us on Instagram at Locked on Steelers. All right, Chris, how you doing today? Doing great, Tony. How are you? Well, you know, I am sweating a little bit. Uh, I know you host a fantasy show for WPXI in Pittsburgh, so and I know people hate hearing about fantasy stories, but I do want to talk about this one, Chris, because I want to know, did I make the right choice here, right? You know, obviously we're watching this Giants-Cowboys game. The Cowboys look like they're going to win this game. Uh, but here was the decision I had going into this game, Chris. I was up by one point. I had Amari Cooper. My opponent has Darius Slayton, okay? I had no mm-hmm. defense. I was doing the no defense thing this week because mm-hmm. I didn't like my defensive matchup. Now, mm-hmm. I came into tonight. I felt like Amari Cooper would probably outscore Darius Slayton, but I got scared and I played the Giants defense. Did I, did I oh, make the wrong Oh, no, Tony. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, you know, all listen, it ended up fine. It, it looked good early. I mean, listen, the first play of the game, Dak throws a pick, and I'm like, I'm a genius. I'm an absolute genius. Uh, but it's ended, up, it, it's ended up well. Amari Cooper scored a touchdown, so. And a 45-yard touchdown. If you if you guys count big plays, yeah, that should work um, out for sure. you. But he has 18 points, so you know I got. And Slayton has one, so good to go there. Giants are giving me a zero. You know what's funny is I was looking at the Giants' schedule this year and looking at how many you know because the, the 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 worry I had with the defense is that I, that I was going to get negative points. Right, the Giants have only had negative points one time this year. That was uh, the game they played against the Cowboys opening day. So uh, you know, rolling the dice on this one, <laughs> rolling the dice. All right, let's. Uh, Let's, let's start today with some news and notes again because we do have some things to talk about from the weekend that aren't uh, directly related to the game itself. First of all, Chris, Dante Moncrief, no longer a Pittsburgh Steeler. He was waived uh, on over the weekend to make room on the roster for Tony Brooks-James, which you know I think we all saw that coming in the offseason, right, that the Steelers' big wide receiver was going to get cut for uh, someone named Tony Brooks-James. Everyone saw that one coming. Uh-huh. Uh, but no, this was this was really a move, and we've talked about this before, for that the Steelers to qualify for that third-round compensatory pick, the Le'Veon Bell pick, essentially. They needed to make a corresponding move because of the fact that LJ Fort was cut by the Eagles, and if you're confused by that, why they needed to do that, so are we. Uh, but essentially, Chris, the Steelers made that move. <laughs> uh, the Panthers claimed Dante Moncrief. So the Steelers are actually going to save some in salary here as well. Uh, this was a this was a, an expected move, but here it is, Chris. Dante Moncrief, no longer a Steeler. Yeah, and it, it's, it's like what you said. We kind of expected this. Once the LJ Fort move happened and Dante Moncrief hasn't been contributing to the offense, the Steelers knew that they didn't have to release him until – you know, week until week ten. Yeah. So they were probably buying their time as much as they can, but uh, but once you know, once Connor was down and Snell was down, and they said, "All right, we need to fit, we need to add some depth to this running back position." 
Uh, well, you know, the easy roster spot we know he got to get rid of in a week anyways is Moncrief, so might as well just cut the ties now, let him, you know, go somewhere else and, you know, give him a shot to play. I, you know, I still think, you know, the, I think the Panthers might actually be able to get some usage out of him. If his hands are healed, I think he'll be fine. It's just unfortunate with the way that he debuted with the Steelers and because he, he was coming off, uh, you know, a rough hand injury. And, uh, and he, you know, he had some crucial drops and just wasn't all together. Uh, you know, it's just unfortunate for him. But I, I think he'll bounce back and he'll make some plays in the NFL still. I don't think he's completely useless. It's just It was just horrible timing. And then just LJ Fort being cut by the Eagles. That was just wow. Um, and, and I think if, if that doesn't happen, Moncrief is still a stealer right now. I agree with you. Yeah, I, I, there, obviously there'd be no reason for him to cut him. And not that they're going to get him back into the lineup. But, you know, just from a depth perspective, you know, having him there makes a lot of sense. Uh, you know, I think I think in some ways, though, you know, Dante Moncrief and his poor play early on end, ends up being somewhat of a blessing in disguise for this offense because it meant so many more reps for uh, for Deontay Johnson. And what we found out throughout this year is that Deontay Johnson's pretty good. I mean, we, we knew this from the tape that we watched, Chris, and, and, and not just the tape we watched from Toledo, but when we when we went to camp in, in July and August, I mean, that kid can play. And what's what the Dante Moncrief thing did was was allow Johnson to get some early reps uh, maybe earlier than he would have gotten had Moncrief been the kind of number two receiver we were talking about throughout camp. So that ends up being uh, a plus here. And, and yeah, I think I think I think you're right. Look, if Moncrief can stay healthy, uh, you know, who knows what he'll do with Carolina? He was he won he was a serviceable receiver in Jacksonville, and he was you know when he when he played with um, when when he played with Andrew Luck that one year. I mean, he actually put up some numbers. So um, you're right. I think Carolina may get more out of him than the Steelers did. The Steelers were just in a place where. You know, he had look. He, he not only did he play poorly against uh, against New England, but that drop when it hit him right in the hands in Seattle, that was kind of the, the last draw. Um, yeah, and you you know we've seen him sparingly ever since. Uh, another thing I want to talk about, Chris, from the weekend that happened was this uh, Jermaine Whitehead situation in Cleveland. I thought you know we 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 followed the Antonio Brown situation because we cover the Steelers and you know Antonio Brown. Uh, you know, obviously everything the Steelers went through in the offseason, watching what he did in his exit from the Raiders and then being uh, signed by the Patriots and all the craziness that happened on social media after he got cut from the Patriots. I thought, Chris, that that would be the craziest thing we will see from a player on social media for a long time. And uh, by a long time, I guess oh, I meant oh. a, what's up? Uh, yeah. I know I was to say, oh, oh a yeah. long time. You mean you yeah. mean in a few weeks? Yeah, about eight about eight weeks is about how long it lasted. Congratulations, AB. You have now lost the craziest athlete on social media belt to Jermaine Whitehead, who Chris I think will have that belt for a very very long time. After the the Browns lost to the Broncos, he went on Twitter, basically started attacking fans, sending death threats to fans. You know, telling basically every fan he could that he's ready he's ready to fight them. He put his home address. On Twitter for Sir for Vince, I guess, to come fight him. He was attacking team radio guys on Twitter. Um, when the PR team came up to him, in, he was doing this from the locker room while the media is in there interviewing players. And so when a PR guy came into the locker room to tell Whitehead to stop tweeting this and delete the tweets, Whitehead told the guy no. He told the PR team, no, I will not stop, tw- I'll not stop tweeting. And he did not, Chris. Not only did he not stop tweeting, but it took Twitter suspending his account for the death threats, for that to stop. And so did that stop him? No, because he's got an Instagram account, so he just went over there and started doing the same thing. Needless to say, this ends in Jermaine Whitehead being released by the Cleveland Browns 
on Monday, Chris. But this is this is about as crazy as they come. And I, you know, I know we've been joking all year about this Browns team, but I mean, this is finally it. I mean, this whole thing is unraveling. I mean, you you gotta also think about the the rough situation that that, that, that some of these players are in. And I'm not, I, but this, listen, I'm not. This isn't me about to be excusing Jermaine Whitehead. This is me kind of explaining why the Browns will always be a dumpster fire. They, this team knows nothing but losing. This organization looks knows nothing but losing. You know, and again, why would you bring up Freddie Kitchens to be the head coach? Why would you not go so, go get someone? who at least has experience winning in the NFL or at least experience winning in college and ha- can, and says, we're going to change the culture here. And that's not what they did. They got someone that was boys with Baker. I still don't get what it – maybe he shook Sean McVay's hand once because apparently that's all you need to do to get approval to be a head coach in the NFL sometimes. And That's, that's, um, that, that's, that's actually the most likely reason why he got the job right there. He's like he, he said. You see this picture? I took a picture with Sean McVay three years ago, and look at me. Um, he photoshopped so, himself into it into a picture with Sean McVay. And really, that's good enough. Now that would be the ultimate scandal. Is if the whole reason is that he was in he photoshopped the picture with him and Sean McVay, and the Browns bought it, and that's uh, why they hired him. Oh, but and, but you know what? It's the Browns. I don't put it past them. That could have actually happened. But back to Jermaine Whitehead. Um, it, it, you know, it's completely inexcusable. We've we've all seen players go at it with fans on like when they're mad they're frustrated they're in their worst their worst spot you know they're you know sometimes they're concerned about their future sometimes they're just mad because people are making fun of them you know marquise pouncey did this you know back in his young days people yeah. used to come bud at dupree him did it too. bud dupree did it mike mitchell used to get into it with oh, people yeah yeah he did. um on, on you know on social media but i i think you know what that what what a good organization does is they cut that off a lot sooner than 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 you can with that. And you set a tone. It's like, look, you can go, like, you know, you can have social media, but there's a there's a code of conduct here. And if you break this code of conduct, there's serious consequences, and we cannot allow you to even get close to coming to coming to that to that point. And you know, there's there's things like where Mike Mitchell was would, would like call people out and call people names on on social media. And that's one thing. And, you know, but, you know, a lot of people, people that were saying things about Mike Mitchell, they deserve to be called names sometimes. I was kind of, you guys are being jerks about, about this. I know that you don't like the guy and you, you, you don't like the way he's playing, but some of the things that were just said about were just said about Mike Mitchell were just disgusting. So, like, things like that are different. But, I mean, this guy, Jermaine Whitehead, someone said, you know, he could have a little bit more effort ta- tackling. And he was like, F you. I, you know, it was like, go die. Like, you know, I'm going to come kill you. Like, that is the sign of someone who has serious mental issues. Yeah. And and again, people thought Antonio Brown doing a Facebook live video was Mike Tomlin not having control of the locker room. This is not having control of a locker room. I mean, th- I mean this this is and it just it continues to show. I I also think and Jermaine Whitehead aside, Tony, did you see the pictures of Baker Mayfield after the game in the press conference with his stupid mustache look. Oh my God! Hold on, I got to pull this up because someone on the Facebook group had the the perfect quote of this. He said, "I, I want to give him credit, so get bear with me here while I pull it up." Go ahead, because um, it was it was terrific. He said, "Who was? Oh God, where is it?" He oh here it is. It's a uh, Jamar Jamar on our Facebook group said, "Baker looks like a detective that doesn't have any leads." Oh Dang. my, God. that's. <laughs> that, that's actually great. You got You guys got to go on the Facebook group and, and see this photo. It is hilarious. But but Tony, here's the thing with this: 
it wasn't the picture that caught my attention. It was the fact that if you looked at him coming, if you looked at the, at, at the video of him coming into that game, he had a full-on beard. Yeah, then, yeah. No, he shaved it off to the, just the mustache. Right. No, no, no. But here's the thing. Then, before, during the game, he had a Fu Manchu. And then, after the game, he had a mustache. Baker Mayfield shaved twice while at this game. Like, that's talent, man. What, Listen, that's what, that's the number one pick right there. What, that's, what are you That's number doing? one pick talent. What? I, I, you I, don't I, find I, that. What? Listen, second round picks aren't shaving <laughs> twice during the game, Chris. What? That's elite. What, what, what is going through your mind to think <laughs> I'm caring about my, my facial hair during or before or immediately after a game? And a game that you got smacked by a quarterback? I still don't know who they lost to. Brandon Allen. Brandon Allen. Listen, Brandon, Brandon Allen got him. Brandon Allen got him. Uh, listen, the Browns are an absolute dumpster fire. Uh, it is it is fun to watch. It's going to continue to be fun to watch this year. You know, the fun thing about Brown, Browns fans and, and, and uh, you know, some of the people that cover the team is like when you look at the back half of their schedule, much like when you look at the back half of the Steelers schedule, everyone said, well, this is when they turn it around. You know, this the schedule is so easy. Maybe the Browns can turn it on from here. And it started with the Broncos. And like you said, Chris, it started against Brandon Allen. No one Jeez. even knows who Brandon Allen is. I and don't know. And I'm a guy that no tries to know all these guys. I'm like, oh my gosh. <laughs> so losing that game, yeah, I mean, this is just going to be an absolute spiral. ESPN, after the game, put up some of the stats from this year. Yards per game, points against, things like that. The Browns are actually, in a lot of statistical categories, worse than they were a year ago at this point. And by the way, eight games into the season last year, I believe they still hadn't fired Hugh Jackson. So yeah. I mean, this this team, is uh, they're, they're headed for, once again, a top five pick. Uh, and it is absolutely incredible when you consider what the expectations were for that team coming into the year. Uh, I mean, hey, I mean, hey, Tony. I mean, top five pick. Who knows? Maybe they can pick another superstar. That, 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 yeah, that's listen, come in next just, year. Keep, <laughs> just keep piling them on. Just I hope Chase Young doesn't go there because I want. I like Chase Young. I want him to be a good pro. Uh, so I'm with you there. Yeah, I, I yeah. think I think I think Chase Young will be a Jet. Probably. Probably. All right, we got to go to break. When we come back, we got to talk about the injury problems in Pittsburgh. They continue to pile up at the running back position. We'll talk about that right after this. Hey, before we continue, want to let you guys know about Blue Chew. Guys, remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. So you know they work. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready when the opportunity arises. If you could benefit from extra function and more confidence where it counts, Blue Chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance. Blue Chew is prescribed online. It ships straight to your door in a discreet package. So there's no in-person doctor visit. There's no waiting in the pharmacy. And best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships directly, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for listeners of Locked On Steelers. Visit BlueChew.com. Get your first shipment for free when you use our special promo code Locked On. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's BlueChew.com. B-L-U-E-Chew.com. Use the promo code Locked On to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice, and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. All right, Crystal, we didn't get a chance yesterday to talk about the injuries coming out of this game against Indianapolis. Not a whole lot of injuries to speak of, just, you know, kind of accumulating, like I said before the break there, accumulating 
problems at the running back position. Trey Edmonds had a rib injury, uh, and Roosevelt Knicks. Is it a flare-up of his knee? I know he didn't. You know he was limited or did not practice late in the week with that knee injury. So maybe that was a flare-up there of the knee injury. You know, let's just start there, Chris, at the running back spot because you know Connor may be out again against the Rams. We'll talk about him in a second. But Edmonds now with ribs. Uh, I don't think that's likely to keep him out. But you know he's banged up now. And Roosevelt Knicks with this knee injury, something to monitor throughout the week, and we'll see what Tomlin says during his Tuesday press conference because, um, you know, it's just, it, it is just, uh, it's a war of attrition for the Steelers at running back. Seriously. I mean, this, this, this is, this is becoming unprecedented yeah. with how, how deep they had to go. You know, you know, if you guys remember Steelers fans, when all the Ben hoopla was going on in the, uh, during the off season and Josh Harris was a guy that stepped up and said, yeah, Ben Roethlisberger, you know, intentionally, you know, messed up a play once. And everyone was like, well, who's Josh Harris? This is the kind of situation that brought a Josh Harris. Yeah. The guy that they signed and they brought from the practice squad, he got one carry. I think he was actually wearing number 40, which was Josh Harris. He was. Number. He was. So, uh, you know, this this is this is highly unlikely. This is a really rough situation. And it's just a further testament, testament of how good this – or how well this team prepares – to, to be able to fight through, they don't have their franchise quarterback. They lost their, their their superstar defensive guy that was crushing the pocket in the middle in the middle of the defense. You know they're down their starting running back. They're down one of their backup running backs. They're having to rely on Jalen Samuels, who we now I think now everyone can kind of see. Okay, you shouldn't try to rely on Jalen Samuels. He's not going to be a an every down back. He's a good Moeldy Moore type. He he'll he'll catch the ball on third downs. He'll make a couple guys miss and. He'll he'll you know he'll take those type of plays, but he is not a guy that you want to that you want to rely on working between the tackles and then occasionally bumping outside the tackles and carrying the load throughout the game. That's just not what he does. Um, and you know, and you saw with Trey Edmonds, you know, there were plays like his forty-five yard run looked really good. Then there were plays like second one at the goal line. David DeCastro was walking into the end zone and he was like, "Why didn't you follow me?" And yeah. for some reason, Edmonds just dove into the back of the rest of his line. Um, you know, there's, there's just, th- 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 those are the things you're going to get when you're missing that many players. Eventually, you know, I know everyone, the talk is always the standard is the standard, but eventually when you're having guys that nobody wanted to put on their 53 man roster, they're not going to be anywhere close to your starters. And that's just a reality. And, uh, but the fact that they've been able to survive to this point is very impressive and a testimony to the, how good this, how good this team is. But, uh, and, you know how good this organization is, and the fact that they're they've dug themselves out from zero and three to go four and four. Uh, but you know, it's serious questions this week. You know, can Connor at least go a little bit to help with the with the Jalen Samuel situations? Because Snell's not going to be back. Nope. And, uh, and and Edmonds. I mean, you 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 know, if he's if he's not back, now you're talking about you know going even further down the list. So it's just, Tony Brooks it's James. Just... Let's go. You guys ready? You guys ready for Tony Brooks James? The James Connor situation is an interesting one. Because, uh, you know, look, he was he went on his radio show a week ago and he said, I'm hoping to be a game time decision on Sunday. He was then ruled out on Friday after not practicing all week. So that was, you know, that was pretty much put to bed early. Now, uh, there was a report that, you know, he's he's in question. Ian Rappaport and, and Adam Schefter both saying that, you know, he, he's a. Uh, it's possible that he misses this week against the Rams. And Connor basically said the same thing when he went on his radio show. He said, look, you know, the, the way it was feeling on Friday, I, I knew I wasn't going to be able to go. Um, and now, he, you know, he's saying he's not going to put a timetable 
on his recovery now. He says, you know, being coming back this week is his goal, but you know, it, you know, it could be a week. He says it could be three or four, or if it's just one week. I'm not going to put a timetable on it. So at this point, Chris, the way I'm the, what, what I'm hearing from James Conner is uh, it's 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 once again unlikely that he plays against the Rams. And then you start to question the Browns game right after that because it's a Thursday game. It's a short week and it's just really rough. But yeah, I think you have to you have to think that Connor is gonna is gonna be back for that game. It's a divisional game. The Rams game, you know, again, none of these games are games that the Steelers can afford to just throw away. But if there was one game over the next several weeks that you could kind of just accept them losing while they could at least compete to win the other games, this would be the game. Yeah. But but the Browns game, especially on the road, I I I think that Connor may get up for that one. I think he may be kind of like I'm going to play this week. Yeah. Um. And, and because they and and because you know those teams they still don't like each other as much as the Steelers have beaten down on them, um over over the years, they they still they they still don't they you know they those teams there's no there's no love lost there. So um, I I think that I think that he may make a push. Now the other thing is also will the Steelers even let him play because. They, they're an organization that does not force their players into those type of situations if they don't have to. Yeah. Um, but um, it, it certainly could be a major concern if he's not back. I, I really think that they need this, this, especially this season, they need to live off of a balance between Connor and Samuels to keep people guessing. Yeah. It's tough to do that without, you know, without Connor being out there. I, I'm agreeing. I agree with you. I think he misses this game against the Rams. I mean, he, you know, he basically said as much the, the Browns game, uh, on the Thursday night, I mean, look, that is going to be. I know we, you know, I know we just spent a whole segment laughing at Cleveland and laughing at the Browns this year, but that Thursday game on, you know, on Fox, primetime game, it's going to be their Super Bowl, regardless of their record. They're still going to feel like, even if you know, they, if, if the Steelers were to lose this week against the Rams, uh, you know, that that the Browns winning would send the Steelers to four and six and and reeling a little bit after a two game uh, losing streak, that kind of thing. So. Um, you know, even if, even if the Steelers win this week, right? A loss to the Browns once again, you know, puts a little bit of a confidence uh, hit on the Steelers team. So they're they're going to be all in on that game. I think Connor is probably targeting that game to come back. It's really going to come down to, like you said, you know, how that shoulder feels. And the other thing here is, look, if it would be different as far as you know, we talk about him playing through playing through injury or playing hurt. Be different if, if Samuels were down, right? If if this were like if Tony Brooks James is going to start or Trey Evans has to start, but Connor maybe could play, then I think maybe they would be more lenient to letting him play. But if Samuels can go and, and Connor's still hurt, maybe they keep him out in that one. Certainly something to watch over the next week or so, uh, because look, this is an offense that is relying on its running game and short and, and passes to the running back, you know, short passes to move the football. Um, you know, they they like you said, they need Connor back. They need that that dose of Connor and Samuels together. Um, and so the quicker he can be back, the better it's going to be for this offense. The, the one thing I will say about this week, though, is that the Rams are an extremely aggressive defense when it comes to rushing the quarterback. Mm-hmm. Aaron Donald on that front four, they're going after it, and the guys behind them are often very conservative where they're trying to cover. This is, I think this is the week where the screens and the short passes can be very effective unless the, unless the, bra- the, the, the Rams key on them. But, you know, and yeah, they added Jalen Ramsey. But if you look at the rest of their secondary, I mean, they get, you know, they don't have Tlaib anymore. They don't have Peters anymore. Uh, th- their secondary is hurting for personnel and guys yeah. that they that they can trust. This would be an opportunity for Mason Rudolph to, hey, say, hey, 
if the check down's there, you might actually get some plays with it. But you're going to get some one-on-ones with, uh, with, with receivers against cornerbacks that shouldn't be running with them. He's going to have to capitalize something on, 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 this, on, on this game against the Rams. I still think there's a good opportunity for the Steelers to win this game. No, I'm with you. I, I'm I'm feeling very much like I was last week against the Colts. I think the Rams are, are you know, I know that people think of them as this, you know, the defending NFC champion, and you know they were just in the Super Bowl a year ago. But they're a very different team than they were a year ago, and a much more beatable team. And I think this being in Pittsburgh certainly gives them an opportunity to pull off what I know Vegas calls an upset. I think this is much closer, much like it was against Indy, uh, much more of a 50-50 type proposition for the Steelers. All right, let's go one more break here. Let's talk about what happened, Chris, on Sunday around the AFC. The Ravens beat the Patriots. We'll talk about that game and much more and where the Steelers sit now in the playoff picture right after this. All right, so finishing up today, Chris, we got to talk about the AFC as a whole, the playoff picture there, and we got to start in the AFC North with the Baltimore Ravens. This was supposed to be a marquee day for the Steelers, right? They could get their, you know, quote-unquote, signature win of the year by beating the 5-2 and two Colts, and that would come on the same, and get back to 500, and that would come on the same day as the Ravens were to lose to the Patriots, and now the Steelers could potentially be just one or one and a half games back when you consider the head-to-head. That did not happen. It did not happen because the New, the New England Patriots... They got they got they got the butts kicked, Chris. The, the, the Ravens came in and really took it to them early. Went up, I believe, seventeen nothing in that game. The Patriots fought back, made it uh, respectable at points, but in the at the end of the day, this was the Ravens asserting themselves as as potentially the second best team in the AFC, or certainly in that contention in the AFC. And we're talking about teams that can not just make the playoffs, but I guess potentially make this you know win the conference, play in the Super Bowl. I mean, the, the the you're absolutely right. The Ravens walked walked into that game and they mollywopped the Patriots. I mean, they were up seventeen nothing. The Patriots stormed back, and then they said, "Oh, oh, you going to storm back? Okay, well let's let's hit you with this." Yeah. And um, I, I mean, and just you, you saw the frustration on Tom Brady's face and how he was just really mad about things. You saw Julian Edelman fumbling, uh, and, and that was the funny part. Marlon Humphrey, and you know, you know, taking that for a touchdown, and I was I was sitting there thinking, you know. When a certain Steelers wide receiver fumbled to the Ravens, he sucked. He was just horrible, and he needs to go. He's not a number one receiver. Yet here's Julian Edelman fumbling in a similar situation. And I'm just sitting here thinking, like, hmm, maybe, maybe the people who were hating on Juju Smith-Schuster you know, need to calm the heck down. Uh, but you saw it. they were making Patriot, uh, you know, uncharacteristic, quote unquote, uh, pat- you know, for the Patriots' mistakes yeah. throughout the game. And it's just, and there were there were times where their linebackers are covering receivers down the field and they're, you know, they were out of position. They were, there were penalties that, that, that were just showing like, Oh, you're, you're lined up incorrectly. Yeah. And it's just like, Oh my goodness. I, I didn't think this happened to other teams. I thought this just happened with Keith Butler's defense. Oh my God. And, uh, and, and honestly, the Steelers defense played Lamar Jackson better than the Patriots defense. Uh, and, and the way they approached that game, I you, just they, you you got to look at that and you got to you got to see wow okay Lamar Jackson hurt them this way that's interesting and, and it'll be interesting to see how the Patriots continue their season but for the Ravens a lot of confidence to have there you you win another you win another big game against an opponent that most people thought you would lose um and you know beating the Seahawks and Patriots in back to back weeks so that's huge for them they're on a real roll um, I I still don't. Put Tony and I, I want to ask you: 
I don't put the Ravens as automatic locks to win the AFC North at, at this point, as some people are. They're thinking, well, they beat the Patriots. No one else is going to beat them this year. So the Ravens are going 14-2, and two and, the, and they've locked up the AFC North. Yeah. I'm not anywhere near close to that. I, I still think that this team is consistent. But what is your readout? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm right there with you. And I think, you know, what people forgot going into this game against the Patriots is how well the Ravens have played the Patriots traditionally. Right, Tom Brady has two losses in the playoffs at home. I mean, in his entire career, going all the way back to 2001, both of those games are against the Ravens. Uh, the Ravens have played the Patriots tough for years, going all the way back, you know, to Joe Flacco and that kind of thing. So, you know, was I surprised that the Ravens came in and beat the Patriots? I wasn't surprised. I, you know, it was more of like watching the game and just being disgusted. Although I can't imagine if I was watching it the other way and the Patriots were actually taking it to the Ravens that I would have been any more happy about watching it. Um, but no, no, I, I think that this game is, you know, look, this is much more about the matchup. And, and what's really interesting to me about this game, and I know this is going to be a little bit of a tangent, but, you know, it was about this time last year that the Steelers or the, the Chiefs and uh, Rams played that Monday night game that it was 52 to 49 and we talked about a league that was becoming so offense driven right and it was it was all about the passing game and you know running back running game doesn't matter anymore defense doesn't matter it seemed like the new NFL is here and the new NFL is going to be all about offense and people kept saying well the pendulum is going to swing back at some point it's going to swing back to defenses catching up to offenses and then the next thing is going to be that offenses are going to start running the ball on these defenses that have prepared themselves for this pass happy league and, you know, everyone thought like, okay, that's, you know, we're, we're two years away from that, three years away from that, four years away from that. It's a copycat league. When you looked at what the what the Rams and the Chiefs were successful in doing a year ago, that, you know, teams are going to try and copycat that. And instead, Chris, the pendulum has swung so quickly. I mean, you watch this game. The Patriots have the best secondary in the league right now. I mean, coming into this game, right, all the analytics said that this is the, uh, the best defense ever been charted through eight games. Uh, and, and a lot of that had to do with the era that they're playing in. But it didn't matter in this matchup because the Ravens don't play modern NFL offense, right? They're not a pass-happy team. They're a run-happy team. And so, the, you know, they're zigging already. And, and, and everyone knew this coming into the year that they were going to try this. Everyone thought it was a little early. But no, here we are. They, they have zagged when the rest of the NFL is zigging, and it is absolutely working. And when you look at what the, what the Patriots are trying to do defensively and how they're trying to shut teams down— it didn't matter against the Ravens. Lamar Jackson had his way through the air and on the ground because all these secondary guys are, are not used to playing against a team that has this dual threat offense that's going to run the ball 40 times in a game. Um, and, and you're right. The Patriots were very uncharacteristic in that game. You could tell right off the top. They, the, the Patriots were going to kick a field goal early on um, and the uh, they went off sides. The Patriots went off sides, gave them a free first down, very unpatriot-like, and the Ravens scored a touchdown. And from there... Uh, you know, it was it was the rest was history. I don't think that the Ravens though are going to run away with this division. They still have a very difficult schedule coming up. They'll still play the 49ers. They'll still play the Texans. They go at LA to the Rams, so that'll be difficult for them. They have at Buffalo. If you believe that Buffalo is is still a good team, they're six and two at this point, and they play the Steelers again. So the Steelers do get one more chance at them. Although that game's in Baltimore, it's not it's not over. But you know, look, the Steelers have to play to this point. Basically, even with the not, they have to play one game better than the Ravens to this point, and then they have to beat them in that last game. Um, and the Steelers can't afford to drop another division game. I think that's possible. It's unlikely, right? It's unlikely. If I, if I was a betting man, I, you know, I would put it at something like, 
you know, 70-30 that the Ravens win the division. But, you know, like you said, you you know, we went back and, and we were talking about this team after they were 0-3, the Steelers, talking about what their playoff chances were. And I think we both said it was, you know, in like the 30% range, 25% range. And now here we are and, you know, we're, we're about to talk about this team being in a playoff run. So uh, it's not over, not over, but obviously, you know, it would have been a lot easier if the Ravens had lost this game to the Patriots. No, absolutely. And, and, and but again, here's my thing with the Ravens is that they're still a very young team. They've, they're, they're still learning who they are. And this was a huge win for them. Yeah. But how many times have we seen hot teams falter one week to the next? Yeah. You know, and look, look at the Ravens. Look at, look at how just, a, just about a month ago, we saw them get smacked by the Browns, by the same Browns that we were just laughing at in the opening segment of this show. And they, they, were, they, they were utterly destroyed on their home turf by, by Baker Mayfield and the Browns that are now a laughing stock. Yeah. And now they have just beat Russell Wilson, who was an MVP candidate, and Tom Brady, who is considered the greatest quarterback of all time. So where are they? They, you know, it's like you know, are the Ravens the team that did that? Are they, people always say, are, are they the, are they the team that lost to the Browns or the team that beat the Patriots? They're both, but that's the thing. The NM, the NFL is a week to week league. Things change so quickly. Just because they smoked the Patriots, you know, on on Sunday Night Football, it does not mean that they're going to go out and go fourteen and two. You know, there's a good chance that they could lose to some other teams that they're supposed to beat yeah. this year because some teams maybe have keyed on. Lamar Jackson. Also, I would like to point out the the the, the Patriots have also lost at home in the playoffs to the New York Jets, uh, with Mark Sanchez and San Antonio Holmes went in there and smoked them there. But it was Rex Ryan who was the head coach with Bart Scott who yeah. basically brought Baltimore's defense over there. It is something about their system that has always given them fits, but oddly not the Steelers. So that's another story for another day. But um, I, I, I'm I'm with you. This is a this this puts the division race in a very tough spot for the Steelers, but it also does not eliminate the Steelers. And still, the Steelers are right in the hunt though to make the playoffs as a wild card. They're one game back from the Colts, and they just beat them. Yeah, they are. They sit right now. If the, if the playoffs started today, they sit seventh in the AFC. But you know they've had a bye week. Other teams have not. Um, so right now it sits with the Colts at five and three. They're the six seed. Uh, Buffalo obviously six and two is the is the five seed. We just we're all just waiting for that thing to to implode. I guess you know we'll just keep we'll just keep. We're eight weeks in now. We're halfway through. Hadn't happened yet. A lot, lot of season left to play. Right behind the Steelers, or I guess tied with the Steelers, is the Oakland Raiders. Uh, you got the Jacksonville Jaguars behind them at four and five. Tennessee Titans also four and five. How about this, Chris? The L.A. Chargers have worked their way back up to four and five. Uh, that's a team that the Steelers, once again, you know, they have the tiebreaker over. Uh, so if, if it does come down to that at the end of the year, uh, the Steelers will have the tiebreaker there. Uh, but they certainly sit, they sit right in the mix, right in the mix for, it's no longer fantasy land when we're talking about the playoffs. Four and four is a 500 football team, and it's it sits just a game out of that six seed. And how about the Chargers, a team that we all thought was dead in the water. They lost at home to Devlin Hodges. It, it, but it, Tony, okay, all jokes aside, they lost to a fourth-string, undrafted rookie quarterback that didn't even play real Division One Power 5 conference football. And here they are, whooping up on 
Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, who looked like strong NFC you know, favorites along with the Saints. Right. And well, I think what we found out, Chris, is that Duck is better than Aaron Rodgers, is what you're trying to say. And I agree God. with you on that. I knew. See, I knew. Bring this. I, I, I took these down. I took this down on my notes. I took this down on my notes that Tony's gonna go here, but like I have to make this point because this is this further illustrates the point that this is a week to week league, and that you should not just count a team in because they did something somewhere. Oh, of course, you you did. You, I'm just you saying. Not. I'm just saying. If we're you know we're using the law of who beat who with who, a duck beat the Chargers. Aaron Rodgers no, lost no, to the Chargers. No, therefore. It's just, it's it's not about who beat who. It's about it, it's about it's about again. One week you can be red hot. The next week you could stink up yeah. the joint. And and that's what I'm saying with the Ravens. Do not just bank that they're gonna win the rest of their games. Just like you can't bank that the Steelers are gonna continue their three game win streak. You know that yeah. every team's gonna be up and down. Um, you know the Patriots. They looked unstoppable. And and the perfect example is look at the Patriots. They smoked the Steelers back when they were healthy with Ben Roethlisberger. The Ravens barely escaped the Steelers. The the Patriots should have destroyed the Ravens. And what happened? They got mollywopped. They they, yeah. they got they got utterly you know picked apart by Lamar Jackson, who you know it has inserted himself into the MVP talks. Uh, you know for the NFL. I don't think he's leading them, but. He has certainly made it a, made a point and say, "Look, I'm not your traditional passing quarterback, and that's fine. Yeah. But I am still the most dangerous man to guard against." Yeah. Well, I think you know when you talk about the matchup league. I mean, I, th- I think it's you know it's a week to week league. It's a matchup league, right? I mean, you know, you can you can look at a team and say like this team is good, this team is bad, but you don't know how they're going to match up when they actually play one another. Um, and so, and yeah, that's why you can have anything happen in these games. Um, you know, it, it's uh, it's it, it, like you said, it's going to be interesting to watch what happens down the stretch. The Ravens have a tougher schedule. Uh, you know, they, they they do not play well against the Browns. We know that they they already had a close game earlier this year against the Bengals. They will play the Bengals again this week, although that's without Andy Dalton now. Uh, the Bengals did have a week, an extra week to prepare. We shall see. The, the Steelers you know, have an interesting one coming up this week against the Rams. I think you and I are both on the same page here, Chris, where I wouldn't put it in the must-win category because it doesn't play into tiebreakers. But, boy, to, to, to get this team above 500, to get them to 5-4 and four through this point in the year, God, it would just feel like such an accomplishment from where this team was earlier in the year. And it would, you know, it, it would once again put this team in a real position where, okay, now you've got the Browns coming up, you've got the Bengals coming up, you've got the Cardinals coming up, real winnable games that all of a sudden, you know, we can we can not just be talking about uh, this team kind of squeaking in, but potentially, you know, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say 10-6 and six here, and I know that sounds crazy, but if they were to win this week, I think 10-6 and six becomes more realistic, but we I guess we'll have to wait and see what happens on Sunday. Chris and I are going to do crossover tomorrow with the Locked On Rams guy. I forget his name. I apologize. We'll talk to him tomorrow, though, right here. Before then, Chris, let people know where they can find your work. As always, find me on Twitter at Carter Critiques, where I'm answering all your questions. If you want to follow me, I will follow you back. I tweet a lot about football and about other funny things that are going on in the world, so it's always a good time on there. Thanks for all those who do interact with Tony and myself on Twitter. We really we really appreciate it. You guys really help make the show better with all your questions. Uh, if you want to also help make the show better more, if you're listening to it right now and you're not subscribed, please hit that subscribe button. Also, please go scroll down a little bit. You'll see that a chance to, to rate us. Please give us a five-star rating and include a, a positive comment about what you're liking about the show. 
and that really helps us promote the show to others get more viewers more viewers help us make a better show for you guys so thanks again for all those who have been contributing and thank you to uh to, to everyone for listening to the show you can also find more of my work at dkpittsburghsports.com where i'm breaking down x's and o's with my carter's classroom column if you want to know the details of why something's working and why something's not working and what plays were called that's where you go you can sign up for dkpittsburghsports.com right now for just 99 cents for their trial month if you like us you stick with us if not we thank you for checking us out but i know i just know that you're gonna love how we cover the steelers the pirates and the penguins and now we are also covering pit basketball for the upcoming season at dkpittsburghsports.com brad mater is the host of locked on rams i apologize to brad but again he will be on tomorrow uh for our crossover wednesday edition of locked on steelers you can find my work on Twitter at Steeler Country. And Chris and I will be back tomorrow for more Locked on Steelers.